The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow Building Better Business listeners. Uh, Welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses podcast. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am your host. I own a business called Transworld Business Advisors. We are an M&A or mergers and acquisitions specialist firm. We are the largest business brokerage company in the world, and we are also the fastest growing business brokerage in the world. We have uh, over 225, 250 offices worldwide, and there's about 600 of us out there trying to assist you business owners, get you matched up with qualified buyers. So we are trying to uh, get some perspective from many of our guests on how to quote, build a better business and I'm delighted to have Rob Oliver with us, who is characterized as a certified virtual speaker, which I don't think I've seen before, but I think all of us, uh, the subject area that he is talking about is uh, motivational, if you will, to get you kind of roused up to do a better job, I think. But uh, Rob, first of all, thank you for joining me. And second, let's kind of talk about you. What are you doing now? What's your philosophies, et cetera? Tell me a little bit more about where you are today. Sure. So um, obviously kind of got the certified virtual speaker following what was going on with COVID. And it was an important thing because we're moving. And kind of, let me just give you the backstory for me. My life is about adapting to the circumstances that you find yourself in. Okay. And that starts for me in a major way. When I was 21, I had a spinal cord injury. So I broke my neck and um, paralyzed basically from the chest down with limited use of my arms and hands. And it was a matter of, okay, I'm still alive and the world still exists. What changes is the way that I engage the world. And I think that having that understanding at a fairly young age, when you come into an experience like COVID is okay. I still am alive. The world is still out there, but what has changed is the way that we engage the world. And so that's kind of moving from in-person to doing virtual and opening up new opportunities. You find out that everything that you go through is a learning opportunity. And I know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is what they say. I'm not hundred percent certain on that, but every piece of adversity that you go through is a learning opportunity and a growth opportunity. So clearly, uh, Rob, you demonstrate that you have to kind of observe your surroundings and react accordingly to, to succeed. So uh, the only thing that I've heard that is constant in this world has changed. And you had two situations. One was a personal situation. And of course, everyone's experiencing COVID-19. Tell me a little bit more about the business. Are you just a virtual certified speaker on motivational topics or what other business do you do? So there are a wide variety of things that I covered. So part of it is to share my story and to talk about overcoming adversity really in this in this day and age to talk about resilience, to talk about coming back from those difficult adverse experiences and coming back, not just 
to where we were, but to actually come back better. And that's, a, I think, a universal. There are two elements that kind of that are subgroups that I speak with. One is to speak to human resource professionals about employment for people with disabilities. It's a passion of mine. And then the other is to talk about healthcare and quality healthcare, specifically person and family-centered healthcare. And I do that with all types of medical professionals. In the, unfortunately, I swim in the medical world and I'm at the doctor and in the hospital far more often than I would like. And I take those experiences and say, okay, how do we work together as a team and how do we make this better, not just for patients with disabilities, but for all patients? Yeah, you show a demonstrated capability of being collaborative. But uh, let's go back a little bit. We talked about you at age 21, what you went through. We talk about COVID-19, what we're going through today, how you're responding to that. Let's kind of rewind the videotape a little bit if we can. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where were you born and raised? And uh, tell me about your interests growing up and uh, a little bit more about your parental and family influence as you were in your formative years. Sure. So um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and made me a, a fan of all of the Philadelphia sports teams. I grew up not too far from the beach, which was a wonderful thing. Spent a lot of time there. Spent a lot of time as a kid swimming and like active was my life. And my dad was a pastor at the time. And so really a, a strong faith-based background and from there, I didn't really know what I wanted to do because I was one of these people that had a tremendous number of interests. And so as a freshman in college, I went to the career counseling office and I'm like, hey, I want to do everything. I want to learn about everything. What can you do to help me? And they gave me a career interest inventory test. And I was like, this is phenomenal. I filled it all out. I came back in. I sat down and the counselor says to me, you know, I've never met someone with such a diverse set of interests. You're interested in everything. I said, yeah, I know that's what I told you, but the, the test doesn't help out. So what I actually, I learned from a friend of mine when I was probably 16 or 17 years old, we were talking about what I was going to do with my life, talking about where I was going to go. And she said to me, no matter what you do, you're going to be a teacher. And I thought like, okay, I'm not going to be a classroom teacher, but what I've come to understand is that any knowledge that I gain is something that I want to share with others and that I want to help others. Hopefully, I don't want other people to go through what I went through with my spinal cord injury, but I want others to be able to learn the lessons that I learned. So from a young age, I have always been interested in, in gaining knowledge and sharing knowledge. And that's kind of been the influence for my whole life. Yeah, it sounds good. How about academically? What were your academic interests way, way back then? I know you wanted to learn any and everything, but high school and college, were there a, a discipline that you focused in on or were you still wide open to everything? Sure. So when I was in elementary school, I developed really bad habits because I was, I don't know how to say this and not be like braggadocious about it, but I was one of those gifted kids that like stuff came to me pretty easy. And it actually backfired because I would sit in class. I got the stuff. It came easy. And then I became lazy and didn't spend time doing my homework, didn't do any of that. So I graduated from high school actually in the, the bottom third of my class because I just, I didn't care. I wasn't interested and I got to college, was in the middle of college when I had my injury. And it really, that injury changed the way that I was studying. I went from B 
being a psychology major to being a psychology major with purpose. And I think that all of us have that experience and all of us need to have that experience where we go from being who we are to being who we are with a purpose. And when we have a purpose, when we see the impact of what we're doing, the potential impact of what we're doing, it really makes a difference in the way that we approach the world. So that's kind of the, the academic background for me. You know, it's funny you mentioned that your, uh, your professional discipline at that time was psychology. And I've been doing mergers and acquisitions for 40 years. And over time, my philosophy on the three elements of a business transaction, one is financial, two is operational, and three is emotional. And in the emotional aspect, of course, is the psychology component. And I'm finding more and more as time goes on, that emotional seems to be more than the financial and the operational, because there's a sense of pride about a business that you've started, that you've built, that so-called has a legacy. So there's an emotional attachment to that. So I totally understand that. How do you apply your psychology today, if you do, in some of the motivational speaking topics that you are doing today? So there's a couple different ways that that happens. You know, part of it is having an understanding of how the brain works, having an understanding of trauma, having an understanding of stress, all of those elements together become part of who you are and how you're interacting with the world around you. And a lot of what I talk about is choices, decision-making and focus. And so the the psychology background does come in there and it's, it's helpful to to lay out some of the the different theories that are out there and as well, just to do it in a way that that's not like you're sitting in psych 101, but to do it in more of an applied manner is really, and I will say this as well, that going through getting my bachelor's degree and getting my master's degree has, has helped me with understanding research and how to do research. So when I'm speaking, I do a lot of customization on the presentations that I'm doing. And as a result of that, you know, you're getting something that is suited to your particular audience. And having the ability to do that research is really something I find to be completely valuable. You know, it's uh, I crack a smile here as you give that response, because I think what you're saying is that you basically have got to know your customer. And I have a meeting after this podcast is done with a new prospective selling client. And I got a file about, I don't know, three quarters of an inch to an inch thick not only about their company, about the industry. So I think what you're saying is that the the messaging that you give to the audience that listens to you is kind of tailored to what you think that they really need to hear. Am I getting that right? So yes and no, okay? Um, Because I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I actually have two audiences when I'm speaking, okay? There is the literal audience that's in front of me. And I want to do a phenomenal job and I want them to take something away from this of value. But I'm also, they're not generally the the people that hire me. The people that hire me are in management or in the C-suite area. And that is my secondary audience. And in some ways, it's my primary audience. I need to find out what do they want their people to come away with? What do they want out of this? And I've got to make them happy with what I'm doing as well. So in that way, You've got to make sure that you're you're addressing both audiences because I was in this conversation that I was having the other day. It was a matter of somebody did a great job. The audience gave them rave reviews, but the people that had done the initial hire were like, you didn't do what we asked you to do. 
And in that way, they weren't satisfied with it. So, and so the answer is yes, you need to know your customer, but you also need to know, need to identify who your customers truly are, if that makes any sense at all. No, it does. It really does. I can understand that totally and completely. Um, Let's go back to the, some of the C-suite client or prospective clients that you have. What would you say are like the common, most common two to three, let's say themes or messaging that seems to resonate with most of your clients? Are you taught, is it mostly communication? Is it uh, methodologies of operation? Is there anything like one, two, or three things that kind of seem to be common with most of the C-suite executives that you interact with? So a lot of what we're doing is reminding people of why do you do what you do? What is the impact of the work that you're doing? Especially in the medical field, there are three basic reasons why people go to the doctor or people end up seeing a medical professional. It is because they are having an issue and they want to just get back to their regular life. Okay. Or it's a matter of there is a new circumstance in their life and they want to figure out how to best manage that. Or they have some new diagnosis and they've got to learn how to live with that. So in all of those ways, what people want to do is they want to live. They want to experience life as fully as possible. And so a medical professional is there to help people live their lives. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the message that I have is about living your life to the fullest, using the abilities that you have to make the biggest impact that you can in the world around you. Yeah. So one of the questions I typically ask on this podcast series is, what's your ideal client? And I'm hearing a lot of medical professionals. So is it the medical area that you're mostly involved with? Is that basically your ideal client, if you will, or is it varied beyond that? So the medical professionals is where I've got a niche and it, I think it works really well. I struggle with the fact that I don't want to say like, I am the motivational speaker for everybody. Everybody just needs to listen to me and hear what I have to say. But in this day and age right now with COVID and with everything that people are going through, there is a universal need to hear the message of resilience, to hear the message that as people, when we go through adversity, it is a time to grow. Let me just give you a real quick story. One of the things that really impressed me, it's a story about the lodgepole pine. It's a tree that grows out in uh, the Western United States, Western Canada. It grows up to like 80 feet tall. It is wonderful. It grows straight as can be. And so the the reason they call it the lodgepole pine is because it's great for construction. The branches on it are very flexible. And so it survives well in harsh environments. But here's the really cool thing about it. The pine cones that it has, the seeds that it has are actually encased in a thick resin. And the only way for those seeds to germinate is for a forest fire to happen. Okay. The forest fire comes through, it melts that resin and those seeds germinate as a result of going through what looks to be a completely devastating experience. So I think about that in terms of where we are, there may be some seeds that have been planted in us, things that are inside us that need the adversity to germinate and to produce new growth. You know, that's an interesting concept, Rob, that you mentioned. Um, I never cease to learn something new every day. That's going to be my big learning takeaway from today is that there is a seed that cannot germinate without a forest fire, which sounds almost counterintuitive. But, you know, and given they grow in the western part of the United States, where unfortunately there are so many fires that go uncontrollable, it sounds like nature's already ready, willing, and able to reestablish itself. 
amazingly. I never would have thought that, but I think that's so true with what you just said. And I think that's in, in people as well. I think that's what you're trying to say. Absolutely. And that's, it's a universal principle and we all go through adversity. The question is, you know, basically, do we rise from it or do we sink from it? And um, do we learn from it or are we paralyzed by it? And I mean that in both the physical and literal sense. You know, that's funny. When I was taking my uh, MBA in investment finance, I had to take this so-called capstone course. And one of the Harvard Business Review articles that I had to read was that an MBA is worthless until he's been fired from his first job, which I think goes to your point that if you can't deal with adversity, and I'm not saying what good are you, but I think adversity builds the resilience, which I think in turn leads to success. Is that kind of what you're saying? I believe that. I also, though, I think that it's important for us to learn and develop character early on. So you go talk about kids and talk about my background and um, you know, growing up, one of the things that I think today parents are afraid of their children failing and afraid of their children having a bad experience, right? The problem is if your children never fail, if your children never have any uncomfortable experiences, when they become adults, when they find themselves faced with difficult circumstances, when they find themselves faced with any type of scenario where they get fired from a job or whatever it is, they have no coping skills. They have no way to do that. And they are defeated by it instead of taking it as an incentive to say, okay, they didn't see the value that I have, but I will make sure that one day they're going to know who I am. And they're going to say, man, we should have kept that kid. Absolutely. There's nothing better than uh, learning from experience. And uh, people who know me uh, know that I no longer include the word mistake in my vocabulary. And not to say that I have miscues, I do. But I characterize them as learning experiences because you just do seem to do better based on you know the stubbing of your toe, so to speak. And uh, I think you're right. You're totally correct that unless you deal with adversity, you can't build the resilience and uh, the stamina to go forward. That is uh, excellent news. Well, I'm sorry to say, Rob, we're kind of at the tail end of our podcast here. But is there any any item that we didn't cover in the questions and answers that we had up to this point? I'll just mention this, and that is learning opportunity and opportunity for new growth. When the pandemic hit, I had always wanted to do a podcast and it opened up the opportunity. So I've got a podcast of my own, which is called Learning from Smart People. It's for entrepreneurs, business leaders, lifelong learners can tune in and we're bringing in a bunch of experts and entrepreneurs that people can learn from and help to grow their businesses. So it's not just a matter of talking about every piece of adversity as a growth opportunity, but actually putting it into action and saying, this is what I've now developed as a result of the pandemic. Well, that sounds great. And uh, in addition to that, my next question, obviously, is where can we find out more information about you? So we know about your podcast series. Do you want to give a uh, web reference or an email or a phone number that relates to that? You can find out the podcast is at it's learningfromsmartpeople.com. And you can find out all the information there. And if you're looking for information about me as a speaker, I am at yourmotivationalspeaker.com. Pretty easy to remember. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate your insights. I appreciate you sharing that information. And again, my audience, thank you so much for your time. 
and uh, listening to us. And uh, you got a wealth of information here from this podcast. So by all means, check out Rob and his site out and uh, continuing to learn is uh, the way to go. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.